Welcome to Life and Liminality, a conversation about thriving in the threshold. That place in between what was and what's next, where ultimately all transformation is found. Welcome back. Thanks for being here. It's Christina and Lori again, Life and Liminality podcast. We're so thankful that you're joining us. And we really wanted to just talk about the posture of readiness. We mentioned it briefly and had some discussion in our podcast interview with Matthew Embry. And we just wanted to circle back and make sure that we spelled out some of the things and just dug a little deeper into the posture of readiness itself. I love this part of Lori's paper, and I'm going to read a little bit of it. A posture of readiness requires preparation, intentionality, and execution, but begins with a heart set on dependence on God. Liminality can become a black hole that creates inertia. The posture of readiness prevents stalling out in that long haul. And it's so good because in this posture, the disciplines actually put us in a position to receive and not achieve. You mentioned that in our conversation with Matthew, things, we're not checking things off a list, running the race to get a medal. And Mm -hmm. I relate so much to the word discipline and the act of discipline, because I have spent most of my life being a very disciplined person. I love the discipline of racing and getting ready for races. There are so many things that go into it that just help me put myself in a position to receive great things. So Lori, can you talk a little bit about the disciplines itself and then give us some examples? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that it's, it's um, similar to um, preparing yourself for a sport. I love the idea of preparing for a race because the hard work is done not in the race itself, but in the leading up to race day, you know, when you're on the, on the starting line, you put your feet in the blocks, you put your hands on the line, and the last little part of it is to lean forward and be um, in a position to launch as soon as the gun goes off. And I feel like all the preparation um, leads to that moment where you're in a position to run forward. That's what these postures give us, is that uh, potential energy. <laughs> and We've really got to nurture that energy because like you said, we can stall out in, in liminal space where we feel like we just don't know what's next and we can get discouraged by not having um, maybe the plan in place or someone recently said like, I've got all the ingredients for the recipe, but I don't have the recipe itself. Like that can get so discouraging. So the disciplines of readiness help us feel like we can participate even if we don't have specific objectives that we're working towards. We are working towards objectives that are much deeper and internal and are preparing our inner selves, our spirit of dependence on God, um, our sense of the ability to engage in a union life with him so that when we are launched, when that gun does go off, we're going in the right direction and we're going with all of our um, functions working together to yeah. take us to that, that next finish line or to those hurdles or to the next handoff or whatever race we happen to be running. Disciplines are a way of thinking of it, even though they're not the typical disciplines like, you know, that, that are going to work you toward a specific goal. Because we don't always even have the goal in mind. So they are 
set to help us receive um, the preparation that God has for us. The first discipline, let's just get into them, is the practice of simplicity. And simplicity is, is a discipline because we tend to be people who want to accumulate um, either accolades or physical things that make us feel comfortable or they make us feel like there's a convenience to it. And oftentimes we need to get rid of those things so that we can be focused and, and find some clarity. And sometimes that's thrust upon us, especially, for example, if you have lost a job or if you're in between assignments of some sort, you are by nature in a simplified state. You don't have um, everything in place that was keeping you busy before. And so to practice simplicity is to not just refill all of your time with other things that are distractions, but to actually fill your time with the simple things that really matter to preparing you for the next assignment. So that's where your simplicity of, of the way you spend your time and the way you train your mind is focused. And so, uh, you know, we, we can't just fill it with a bunch of TV and a bunch of relationships that maybe make us feel important. Times we need to say no to some of those things because we are intentionally practicing simplicity so that we can be prepared when the doors open, we are ready to walk through them. When the gun goes off, we're ready to run that race. I had this way of thinking about simplicity that is connected to uh, my wilderness guiding. Um, whenever you want to go backpacking, you have to decide how much you really want to carry because the more you carry, actually the less of a distance you can actually go in a given day. The less you carry, the lighter weight you are, the further you can go and into places where you might not have been able to reach if you're trying to bring everything with you. I think that's such an important way of thinking about simplifying in liminal times. We can get further, we can do more when we're not weighed down by trying to maintain all of these things that we've gathered around us. Let's go on to the next one, the practice of listening. This one is an important way of even being able to hear what God is trying to do in us. And then also, if we're ever going to hear what he has next for us, we have to be already used to hearing from him. Um, if we haven't practiced listening, it's not like he's going to all of a sudden just give us what we need to hear. Well, I can't say he won't. Uh, he may. He may hit us up the side of the head with it because <laughs> that's the only way some of us will hear it. Yeah. But if we want to participate well during liminal times, then we will begin being excellent at listening. Because if we're listening and it's just think back to that, that starting line, when you're, when you're leaning forward, what are you doing? You are listening for the gunshot going off. And the more tuned in you are to that, the, the better prepared you are to take off. And so um, you, we have to practice this. We have to practice listening. And I believe that, that we can get better at this by doing it more. And sometimes it's just a matter of being prepared to be in a space of quiet, um, actual silence. And then sometimes even that is still kind of noisy. Our heads are noisy. We've got a lot of voices going on. And so we need to get past 
the external silence and actually create some internal silence and be able to deal with those voices as they are so that we can silence them and get even deeper into that presence of God that may feel very empty and blank initially because he, I think of the story of Elijah who goes and he sits in the cave and he's desperately asking God to speak to him. He wants to know what's going on. And if storm comes and rain comes and the wind comes, and he has to listen all the way through all of that to get to the point where he can hear the small, still voice that comes at the end of all that other chaos. That's that practice of listening. How has listening been something that you've developed for yourself, Christina? This one was actually really difficult for me. And it was one of the things I did have to practice. I had never really sat down in silence ever. I always was with teammates. I was with friends. I was with people. There is noise going on all the time. So this was one of those times where I had to train myself to really listen to what the voice of God was saying. And I felt like that was and there for a while in terms of that still small voice, but I never really listened. So I never, never knew how to hone that skill. Initially, I would pray for big things, general prayers, as I've become more disciplined. When I ask a specific prayer now, I know that the answer will come. And that is having learned the discipline of listening, I can trust that an answer will happen. And it may not be right away. But it's something that I know that I've practiced and, and disciplined myself to listen. A while ago, I was doing a Bible study by Priscilla Schreier, and she quoted in there, um, stop frantically searching for the will of God and start frantically searching for God himself. And it really helped me to understand that I wasn't looking and searching for God's will, that I was going to sit and practice and listen. And that was going to be how I would be able to hear from God. And it was, again, something that was difficult for me. And it, it took a lot of practice to get better at. That's great. That's such a good way to look at it too, because that is often what God gives us that will become direction later on is he gives us a stronger sense of himself, of what he is about, of his dreams for the world, of his picture of rightness and humanity. And when those um, visions of what God is about um, sink deep into us, then when the opportunities arise, we know what to align ourselves with. Not because God has said, align with this, don't align with that, but because God has revealed himself to us and we already know then what it looks like to choose something that aligns with him. That's where listening takes on kind of a different view than what we often go into it thinking, where we, we want to say, Lord, give me a yes or a no. And he doesn't give us a yes or a no. He gives us a picture of himself. And then later on, when we ask the yes or no again, we actually already have a sense of whether that is a yes or a no. So connected to this, though, because oftentimes we have a really hard time silencing those voices. They're embedded deep within us. We've got scripts that keep playing over and over in our head, and we can't even see outside of those. Therefore, another discipline I found really important for me um, in my own liminal journey was the discipline 
or the practice of seeking wise counsel. This was, um, oh, it was so relevant to me at the time when I was staying home with my kids and I believed I was right to be a stay home mom, but I was feeling completely lost because I wanted to be this productive minister um, in the kingdom of God. I wanted to be making an impact and I, I just struggled to, to feel like I meant anything when I was changing diapers and making food three times a day. And I needed to hear how that fit into a bigger picture. And it was right in the middle of that time when I was probably at, at some of my most desperate times when um, God just brought up along my path a woman who on her own um, said, I would like to take you to coffee. And so we went and had coffee and she had seen something in me that she had experienced as well and said, I, I just feel like I want to tell you this. And she had listened to the voice of God for herself. And she was listening to that voice for my sake as well. And in that gave me a vision of what it, what the value was for me of, of being home. And she reminded me that my very first disciples are my children. And my very first ministry is as a wife to my husband. And she continually said this very same simple message to me every time I met with her, no matter what kind of complaining I would do or what kind of arguing with her about finding value, she would continually remind me of this simple message. And that was the wise counsel that God brought to me. And I realized at that time that that really carried me through when I may have abandoned the entire journey. I very easily could have shortcut um, what God was preparing me for had I not had that person that was listening to the voice of God on my behalf. We have to be careful because not all wise counsel is actually wisdom from God. <laughs> there were definitely voices at that time that would come, come along saying, you don't need to stay home. I didn't stay home with my kids and they turned out fine. Why don't you just take them to preschool? You could get a job. You'd be so much happier if you weren't staying at home and if you were working. I had to sort through those voices versus the voice of my friend Betsy, who was actually bringing to me a message that she felt like God was giving to her to speak to me. And so that's where the practice of listening comes in hand in hand with um, the practice of seeking wise counsel, because there are so often times where we um, kind of get muddled over which voices to listen to. I had a very similar um, experience with um, someone who came alongside me and spoke the truth from her biblical wisdom into my life on the medical front. She had gone through some medical issues of herself of breast cancer when she was raising two young kids and recognized in me that I was in need of wise counsel on that front because it would have been easy for me. Um, I've discussed a little bit in the past of taking the westernized medicine approach versus the quote-unquote alternative approach that some people may see that I'm that I have been on and she encouraged me and it was very impactful for me and I, it definitely changed the course of my journey thus far I feel like it definitely gave me the strength to keep going 
Yeah, I think of the story of Paul in um, in the scriptures after his conversion on the road to Damascus, and he's he's blinded. Like he he gets led into Damascus, and for a while he stays blind, but he is told to wait there until the prophet comes to meet him and speak to him, and that is a very important time for him because Paul at that point needed some guidance. He he needed not just guidance for his own journey, but he also needed the affirmation from other people so that those that were seeing him as such a, you know, a threat would begin to embrace him as a part of the the community of Christians. And so that wise counsel was both for him and for the community to know that he was not being crazy, <laughs> but he could be embraced and he needed that person to help others embrace him. He also needed Barnabas to come along and encourage him along the way. And when some controversies came up, he needed Barnabas to walk with him through those controversies. So if the Apostle Paul needed wise counsel, I would say we probably need it as well. Why would we ever try and walk through a liminal time um, navigating it by ourselves without actually asking um, someone who we trust is going to hear on our behalf the voice of God and can know us well enough? Um, and, you know, oftentimes we may venerate certain spiritual leaders as being the wise counsel, such as a pastor or a priest or a spiritual director. Um, and, and Matt said this, and I agree with him from the interview that God can bring anyone along as your wise counsel um, if we're open and listening for that. Yeah. Um, but typically it is going to be somebody who has the spirit of God uh, and an ability to listen to the spirit of God on behalf of someone else, but it doesn't have to be somebody that you would expect and is in sort of, you know, a, a paid role. Um, it couldn't be a friend that you, um, you trust their spiritual journey. Um, let's talk about the last one, the practice of celebration. Um, this one really came, it rose up for me, not because I've, felt the need for it or you know, was practicing it just on my own, but because all of my studies through the scriptures of the people of God in liminal times, um, this practice kept showing up. They kept doing this. So on Abraham's journey, he did this. On Moses's journey, he did this. On David's journey. And that is the practice of celebration and worship. So um, for example, when um, when Moses was leading the people and um, something would happen, they would build an altar or they would create something that they could remember as a symbol of what God did at that spot. Eventually, when they crossed over the Jordan, and this was at that point without Moses, they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. They took stones from the, the middle of the river and they built an altar on the other side. And it's said there that they explained why. It's because then whenever the people of God came back by that location, they would rehearse the story and tell of what God did for them. And these kinds of practices happen all throughout the scriptures. The festivals that were begun in the wilderness were meant to celebrate and memorialize the story of God 
carrying them through, taking them out of slavery, meeting them in the wilderness, preparing them for the promised land, and then moving them into the promised land. So in all of these liminal times for us, I believe it's really important to have symbols, even physical symbols at times of where we see God moving and shifting and transforming us. When we notice that a transformation has happened, I think it's a really good idea to create some sort of physical symbol. It is a great example of how we can trust that God will be there in the future for us, that we can look back upon some of those things that are memorializing um, who God revealed himself to be, parts of who we are, that we have been changed in a positive, a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. These are the practices that rose up for me. And I would suggest that this is just a few, <laughs> that there's so many more that are potential practices during liminal times. As long as the practices we may add would be ones that still continue to bring us into a position of receiving. They cannot be practices just by the nature of liminal space. They cannot be practices that give us a sense of control over this. That's not what we're going after. We're not trying to manage this time or hurry the process. We are actually intentionally slowing down, embracing and listening to the open space that God has given us during this time and then letting him do the movement. Hopefully this has been a few that you can consider incorporating into your own journey and to see if maybe they reveal something of how God is positioning you for the next step, whatever that is and whenever it comes. Thanks for joining us today. And we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we love to have these conversations that um, dig in a little bit deeper and help us to understand a little bit more about how we can participate and be ready to receive and not achieve. And as usual, we want to hear from you guys. So go ahead and send us an email at lifeinliminalspace at gmail.com. Join us on Facebook or our Instagram pages and just please reach out and engage with us. We just want to make this a conversation as we usually talk about that we're journeying together and that um, during this time, we can have a community.